little bit of review and, 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 and fall into what we're going to be looking at this morning. But I want to talk to you um, uh, two words, insight and intuition. Okay? So if you're, t- if you're taking notes, write those two words down, insight, I-N-S-I-G-H-T, um, as opposed to I-N-C-I-T-E. Okay, so insight, like seeing into something, and then intuition, insight into intuition. Uh, I'm sorry, insight and intuition. Now, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 45, we see a very interesting verse. We see that, that Jesus um, opened the understanding of those who were present so that they might comprehend the Scriptures. He opened their understanding. Um, one translation says He unlocked their understanding so that they might comprehend the Scriptures, or that they might receive revelation from the Scriptures. And we see that there was something that qualified this group of people to have their understanding unlocked to comprehend the Scriptures that um, others did not possess, and therefore they did not qualify. Now, we've spent a few weeks on this subject already, and, and what we've looked at from Scripture is that it's Father's desire to unlock every human being's understanding to comprehend the Scriptures. But again, um, this is something that we must do to qualify for, something that we must uh, put ourselves in a position um, by our, the attitude of our heart uh, to, uh, to receive. And so last uh, Sunday, and again, all of these sermons are available for you free of charge to go back and, and, and listen to or watch, however you want to uh, access those. But we, we really drilled down into what it means to comprehend, what it means to comprehend the Scriptures. And, and the idea behind comprehending versus, you know, knowing about. There's a lot of things that we know about but don't comprehend. And when you comprehend something, this is, this is when it becomes a part of the way you look at things. It becomes a part of the way you see things. Um, comprehending has to do with the assembling of multiple pieces together to, to create or to paint a picture. So, for example, Abraham comprehended resurrection before there was ever even an earthly example or testimony of someone being raised from the dead. When Abraham believed that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead, there was, there was no precedent for that. In other words, it, it wasn't like he could point to chapter and verse in the Scripture where someone had actually been raised from the dead. But the Bible says that he went um, joyfully to offer Isaac because he had already received him raised from the dead in a figure. In other words, inwardly, in his heart and mind, he, he had a clear vision of the outcome before he ever embarked upon the journey. And obviously it was one that he had received from God. He received this understanding from, from, from God by faith. Amen. Remember, Abraham was the friend of God. And one of the things that, that um, you know, we, all, we love to sing that song, I'm a friend of God, but not everyone who sings that song at the top of their lungs actually is. Amen. That, that is, again, something that, that we God wants to be your friend. Um, but many are called, few are chosen. And the difference between someone who is a friend of God and someone who has been called out from the world and is a part of the, the you know, is born again man or woman is someone who's willing to have a relationship with God, fellowship with God on his terms. And again, we've preached a lot of sermons on that, and I'm going to try to get into all that um, this morning. So Abraham was, was a friend of God. He, he um, qualified in the sense of his response to God, his attitude towards God, his willingness to, to listen to God and and 
and um, obey God. His, watch this now. His willingness to follow God when it didn't make sense. God says, uh, come on, Abraham, I, I want to I take you somewhere you've never been. He says, where are we going, God? He says, I'll show you when we get there. He goes, all right, well, let me, let me get my stuff. Because he didn't have to have all the answers. He just trusted God. And, and, of course, this qualified him to be called a friend of God. And as a friend of God, this means God was able to reveal things to him, show him things that he wasn't able to show other people. He wasn't able to reveal to other people. If you read the book of Galatians carefully, you see that Abraham had the gospel preached to him generations before Jesus ever even came to the earth. And he believed the gospel... He believed that Jesus was going to do what Jesus did before Jesus ever came and did it. And this is why his faith was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham received a gift of righteousness on credit in the same way that you and I receive one that's already been paid for in full. So he's a friend of God. Did everybody on planet earth know what Abraham knew? No. Did everybody on planet earth have uh, insight into the ways of God that Abraham had? Again, the answer is no. Now, I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 13. I'm sorry, I said Mark chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And we'll begin in just a moment in verse number 10. Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. Now, while you're going there, I want to read uh, some similar verses that we're going to look at in, uh, in Matthew 13 from Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 4. I'm not trying to confuse you, I'm just trying to kind of squeeze some review in here so that we can, you know, hopefully seamlessly connect a lot of these things um, together. One of the reasons the Bible says in the last days that people will always be learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. And one of the reasons for that, there's a lot of reasons for that, one of the reasons for that is the way people are taught in, in churches today. Um, I call it random oracles. You know, we just talk about one thing, one service, and another thing, another service, and another thing, a third, you know, and, and there's never any continuity. And, and that is one of the things that I really feel like um, I'm called to do as a pastor teacher in the body of Christ, servant leader in the body of Christ, is, is to help connect dots together um, to, to, so that you can see the bigger picture. Amen. And, and so what we see in Mark 4 is what actually qualified this group of people um, to have their uh, understanding unlocked to comprehend the scriptures. And this is what he said in verse 24. He said, Jesus speaking, take heed what you hear with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Remember that because we're going to look at something similar to this in Matthew 13 in just a moment. He says, and to you who hear, more will be given. To you who hear, more will be given. And whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now, same verses from the Passion Translation, Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Then Jesus said to them, Be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear. Now, how many of you understand diligence is an attitude of the heart? We're, t- we're talking about what qualified these men and women to, for Jesus to bless them and honor them with this rare and precious gift of having their, comp- their understanding unlocked and their ability to comprehend the Scriptures. And so he says to them, to you and me, be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear, for as you do, more understanding will be given to you. Notice this phrase, and it's a very important phrase, for as you do. 
Meaning what? As you do one thing, God is able to respond with something else. As you do your part, He's able to come alongside with His part. As your willingness uh, you know, continues and as, as you are eager to, to do your part, diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear, as you express that diligence, He says, more understanding will be given to you. Now, I want to I emphasize again what he's saying here. It will be given. It's a gift. You know, sometimes we use expressions like, man, it just came to me. It just came to me one day. No, it was given to you one day. Okay? It didn't just come to you. I mean, that was the way it felt. You know, sometimes it feels like, you know, we study and we study, we meditate, we meditate, we pray and we pray, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, you know, the lights come on. All right? Yes, but that was a gift as opposed to just some random act that we stumbled into. It's something strategic behind it. Why is that so important for us to understand? We're talking about cause and effect, as opposed to just you know, this random thing that, that has no meaning or purpose or strategy behind it. No, it's cause and effect. And, and so the effect of their understanding being unlocked to comprehend the Scriptures had a cause behind it. And Jesus is giving us that cause. It was a diligence on their part to understand the meaning behind everything that they heard. And according to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. Can I tell you what your presence in this room represents this morning? Among other things, it represents a longing on your part to understand. You may not have thought of that. You, know, you may not have woke up this morning and it's like, okay, man, I've got to go satisfy my longing to understand the mysteries of God's kingdom. But that's, that's exactly what we're here for. It's, it's a desire on your part to go above and beyond. It's a desire on your part to not treat Sunday like another Saturday and, and, to, and to do what the head of the church, our master, right, he said, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together. And, and for us to come together because there is a longing and desire on your part to understand. And he says, according to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. How many of you understand, how many of you recognize, been, been in this long enough to know, that some people have a different depth of longing to understand than other people? Or some folks, you know, really, quote unquote, into this Jesus thing, right? Other folks can kind of take it or leave it. Some folks, you know. And so you've got this whole spectrum of don't care anything about it, can't get enough of it, right? And he said, Jesus said, according to the longing according to the depth of your longing so there's different degrees different depths of longing to understand but he says according to the depth of your longing to understand much more will be added to you so what is he saying he's saying the more you long to understand the more understanding you'll be given the more you desire to know the more he will reveal to you for those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation but those who do not listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. All right, now let's go to Matthew 13 and verse 10. It says, And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Now, this is an important question, and I think if we could kind of put ourselves in the position of the disciples, Jesus' inner circle knew things about him and had heard and received things from him that they were eager for him to share to everybody else, or share with everybody else, give to everybody else. And so they'd be so excited, you know, about these things that they're learning and hearing from Jesus, and Jesus would get in front of a crowd of thousands, 
and he would tell them a story about a woman who lost a coin. Or he would tell them a story about a man who had two sons. And they're like, Jesus, look, when are you going to get to the good stuff? When, 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 when are you going to tell them about you know, this, this coming kingdom? When are you going to tell them this and that? And some of the things that, the, the, the deeper insights that he had given to shared with them. And so they're, they're asking him uh, this question. Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. Man. All right, so here we are again, the haves and the have-nots. Now, I know that's a, a, a carnal uh, expression, so to speak, in, in the world. I don't mean it in the, in the worldly sense, the haves and have-nots. The haves and the have-nots in a kingdom sense are those who have understanding of, of, of God's kingdom and those who do not have it. And again, I remind you, Father wants us all to have it. He wants every human being to understand. This is why he tells us all the way back in Proverbs, and again, throughout the, the scriptures, but in Proverbs especially, he tells us to seek understanding, to seek wisdom more than gold, more than silver, to desire and pursue wisdom and understanding more than the young man desires the young lady, pursues the young lady. That the principal thing is wisdom. In all of your getting, in all of your getting, he says, get understanding. Make it a priority in your life to understand the things of God, to, to pursue and to go after and to seek the wisdom of God. So the haves and the have-nots, he says, to, the, to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to the, the, the multitude at large, so to speak, to them it has not been given. And so here we go, similar verses to what we see in Mark. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says... Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. Let's, let's think for a moment about what Jesus is talking about here. He is talking about a seeing, a hearing, and an understanding that goes beyond eyes, ears, and brain. He's talking about something deeper. He's, he's talking about insight. He's talking about a comprehension that is more than just reason or, or ration, uh, you know, uh, rationale, what have you, um, where, you know, where we see more than what our physical eyes can see where we hear in a way that our physical ears alone cannot hear, and where we understand on a level deeper than what our ability to rationalize and reason things out could ever produce in our lives. He's talking about something here that goes beyond intellect, something that goes beyond our physical senses, something that goes beyond mere human consciousness. So again, insight and intuition. These are words that that I know may seem a little awkward at first, but we're going we're gonna, to, again, drill into this, and I think you're going to see it here more clearly, all right? Verse 16. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. 
For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Blessed eyes. Come on, anybody? Blessed ears. If something is blessed, if something is blessed, it's speaking of something that has been empowered from God, empowered by God. Um, blessed in the, in, the, in the scriptures, you know, empowered to prosper is one way to understand um, what it means to be blessed. We see when God created Adam and Eve uh, that he blessed them. And, and in blessing them, he empowered them uh, to function in, 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 the, uh, in the way that God created and intended them to function. And we've, we've spent a lot of time in, in years past teaching and, and, and we sing about and talk about the blessing, the blessing of Abraham. And, and so again, this is talking about something that, that comes upon a man or woman uh, from heaven. So when he says, blessed are your eyes, he's saying that your eyes have been empowered with something otherworldly. Your ears have been empowered by something otherworldly. Your understanding has been empowered by something otherworldly to see and to hear and to understand in a way that others uh, cannot see, hear, and understand. Now, before we go any further, and I'm trying to just walk you through this this morning, I want to spend just a moment in verse 17. It's one of the assuredly statements of Jesus. And, and when he says assuredly, he's basically saying, now brace yourself because I'm fixing to say something. I'm about, I'm about to say something that's going to seem a little far-fetched. I'm, I'm about to say something and reveal something to you that, that may be hard for you to, to accept as, as real, uh, as true. Okay? For assuredly I say, the works that I do, you'll do also. And any time Jesus says assuredly, he's about to unleash um, uh, you know, revelation on us that um, maybe you know, goes right over our head if we're not careful. So notice here he's saying, For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Why did they not see it and why did they not hear it? It's because it was not available for them to see and hear. It had been kept a secret by God. It had been kept a mystery by God to only be revealed in these last days, made available to you and me to know and to understand. He's talking about things that some of the heavy hitters in the Old Testament, people who walked so close with God that they didn't die, they were just you know translated over into God's kingdom, people who had corpses thrown on their bones and those corpses were raised from the dead. I'm talking about you know, so, you know, the who's who of, of men and women of God in the Old Testament and yet they did not see and did not hear, even though they longed to see and longed to hear it. Notice the longing to know, the longing to understand. They had that in spades, but their longing to know and understand was not enough for them to hear it and see it and understand it in their lifetimes because it was kept a secret until Jesus came to this earth. Man. I don't think we fully understand how good we've got it, folks. There are things available for you and me to know, understand, walk in, and benefit from that were not available, King David, that was not available to Elijah, was not available to Moses, was not available um, 
you know, to Abraham. Now let me just, I don't want to go too far down this road, but I'm just trying to kind of whet your appetite a little bit or, or stoke the fires of your appetite and your longing a little bit. If we, let's skip down same chapter, Matthew 13, and let's look at verses 34 and 35. It says, All these things Jesus spoke to the multitude in parables, and without a parable he did not speak to them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, I will utter things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Um, parallel verse, I, I don't know if they're putting them on the screen behind me. Romans 16, 25, you don't have to turn there, but let me just, give, it's a related verse and we could, we could look at others, but let's just give this one right quick. It's, it's from the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. I got good news for you this morning. Father has opened the vault. Insight and understanding mysteries are now revealed that were previously unavailable to be seen, heard, or understood by humankind. Things that were never revealed until Jesus, kept hidden, kept secret, kept a mystery until Jesus have now been opened up and made available for you and me. Now that's good news, but here, here is my question for you and me. Here's my question for us, okay? How excited are we to know these things? How interested are we in discovering these things? How much do we long to know these secrets and to have these mysteries that were hidden from the beginning of time revealed to you and me so that we might understand them, benefit from them, walk in them, and let our lives become an example, a testimony to others of the validity of these things? I'm concerned that many of God's children really have a could-care-less or take-it-or-leave-it attitude towards these secrets and mysteries. We live in a day, unlike any other on earth, some of the greatest secrets and deepest mysteries have now been revealed for us to know, live by, and benefit from. Now, let's go to Matthew 13, 10. This time I want to um, read through it in the message translation. Now, I know some folks are critical of the message translation. Some people refer to it as a paraphrase. If you understand that the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew, translated in to English, both Greek and Hebrew are more sophisticated languages than English, and so there are things lost in translation. One of my favorite ways to study the scriptures is to study it in multiple translations, or even if you want to call like the Passion Translation or the Message Translation a paraphrase, because what we basically have are words that are defined, you know, in, in, with using different, how many of you know you can say the same thing four or five different ways? by using different words. And for me, sometimes it's, it's, the, it's, it's a more modern translation. Eugene Peterson, who did the message translation, um, he recognized that Jesus did not speak classic Greek like we don't speak classic English, the king's English. We, we speak southern English. Amen, y'all? And so Jesus didn't walk around like, you know, speaking like some Ph.D., some doctor of the law. 
he used a street version of, of Greek. Um, and, and then, to make matters worse, we went from Jesus' teachings in a common man's version of the Greek language and translated it into an inferior language, but tried to cover that by using a classical version, the King's English. And so Eugene Peterson, who did the message translation, his heart was to go from a common man's language to a common man's language. Now, in my humble opinion, Matthew 13 and Romans 1 in the message translation are worth the price of admission. But now you don't, you don't even have to buy a message translation. They're available online for free. But the message translation of Matthew 13 really, I think, captures for us in, in using our language exactly what it is that Jesus was saying to them and to us. Remember, these parables were not just for these men and women. These parables were for me and you as much as they were for them. Okay, so let's, let's uh, go here in verse 10 from the message translation. The disciples came up and asked, why do you tell stories? He replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it, listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. Man, there's a lot here. Maybe we'll have some time to come back in a moment. And, and comment on, on some of these things. But in case we don't, let's make sure you, you're picking up what Jesus is saying here. The disciples say, look, Jesus, why all the stories? When are you going to get to the, to the good stuff? When, when are you going to get to some of the, the, the heavier things, some, some of those deeper things, right, that, that, that you've been talk, talking to us about, you know, in the evening times and so forth and so on? And, and, and Jesus is like, um, I tell stories when I'm in front of the multitudes because they do not yet have insight into my kingdom. He said of the disciples, he said, you've been given insight, you've been given understanding, and you know how it works. That's important right there. It's not enough to know about something. You can know about something and not know how it works. Right? Father wants us to have insight into his kingdom which means to see into it, to see beneath the surface of it, to see deeper into it, in, into the inner workings of it. All right? So he says, I tell stories to the people because they do not have the insight. And in order for them to have and receive insight, because insight's a gift. Oh, man. Are you with me this morning? I'm, I'm feeling almost, I'm so excited. I'm almost overwhelming. All right, just stay with me now. Deep breath. Amen. Insight is a gift. You can't buy it. I'm, listen, I'm not telling you not to study. We need to study. But study alone won't earn it. The people who stripped Jesus naked, beat him to death, and, and, and executed him could quote the Old Testament frontwards, and some of them could even quote it backwards. They had studied the Scriptures, but they didn't have the right attitude and so seeing, they were blind. Hearing, they were deaf. Being 
among the most educated people on planet Earth, they were ignorant. Because they didn't have the insight. The insight comes as a gift, and the gift can only be received by those who have a ready heart. Readiness of heart. Readiness of heart. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, what happens? The insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. We see this in the earthly ministry of Jesus. We see, it, we see both sides of it. We see people who were drawn and attracted to Jesus and, 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 and then became disciples and followers and, and, and their names are now on the 12 stones in heaven uh, you know, of, the, of the church. But we also see people, John 2 and John 8 come to mind almost immediately, where people were attracted to Jesus because of his popularity, because of his fame, because of his confidence, because, you know, he was saying things they didn't hear anybody else say, all right? But when Jesus tried to draw them into a deeper commitment, pride in their hearts rose up against him, and they wound up pushing him away. So there was receptivity. We see it in John 2. We see it in John 8. Initially, there was receptivity. But these men and women were not ready. They didn't have a ready heart. What's a ready heart? A ready heart's a humble heart. And a ready heart's a hungry heart. Jesus said those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. You understand there's a difference. Let's go back to that inner longing that we talked about, the depth of your longing, the depth of your hunger. My Lord Jesus, help your people get hungry for you again. Jesus, help your people get hungry for the insights and understandings and the wisdom of your kingdom. Amen. All right. So he said that he tells stories, parables, to create the readiness, to create the readiness, to nudge the people towards receptive insight. He's trying to give them a little, a little nudge, right? He's trying to, to, to move them in that direction. In their present state, they can stare at doomsday and not see it, listen to their blue in the face and not get it. Let's go on. Verse 14. I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but they don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but they don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. They stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look. So they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. Remember the passage we've turned to multiple times in John 5. Jesus said to the religious leaders, he said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. And you've yet to realize that every word in there is speaking about me. But you won't come to me that you might receive eternal life. And the church today is just as guilty. We look through all the scriptures because we're trying to find healing. We're trying to find prosperity. We're trying to find... uh, peace we're trying to find joy we're trying to find unity we're trying to find uh you know answers for racism we're trying to find answers for uh divisions in our home we're trying to find answers for wayward children we're trying to find all these things right trying to find in the scripture trying to find in the scripture trying to find in the scripture without ever understanding that all of those things right come into our lives through fellowship with jesus not just intellectual assent or understanding of the bible now, listen, if you, if you go out of here saying, Pastor Mark said it ain't, it ain't worth anything studying the Bible, that's not what I'm saying. 
But it's an attitude that qualifies you, not an education. Not an education. You can have a PhD. You can have a doctorate in divinity. You, 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 you can go to the greatest theological seminaries in this, in this earth and go to hell and not even know God. And the other end of that spectrum would be somebody who's never been to school, doesn't even know how to read and write. I've prayed for them and even had some of them pray for me in developing countries. I was thinking about this one gentleman when I was in Kenya. Um, man, those folks, they... I, again, I understand culture and all that stuff, so I'm not trying to like diss on anybody in here. But you talk about some folks who get serious and passionate about their worship. Um, he's a tall, thin, very, very dark skin tone uh, African gentleman. And he looked old to me, which meant he was probably in his 80s or 90s. And I, anyway. He climbed a tree. I was like, what, what is that? This was before the service started. He climbed a tree. I thought, what? What, what, is, what is he doing? You know, is, this, is, is he acting out Zacchaeus? I was, you know, I was just fascinated by all of it, right? You know? And um, they wanted us to, like, arrive after the praise and worship and come, like, you know, like, coming in, you know, pull us up beside the, the platform and get out of the car and somebody carry our Bibles up to the platform. And I said, listen, guys, I, I love y'all. Appreciate that. I know you're trying to honor me, but that's not me. I want to worship with these people. You want to worship these people? I said, yes, I want to worship these people. You know, I don't, even, I don't understand a word they're singing, but I know they're singing about my Jesus. So this man, he, he, I watched he climbed a tree. He started breaking off the green parts. And, and there it was hard. It hadn't rained there, and I, I forget how many months. And it's hard to find something green, right? And he's tossing them down to the kids. And then we were in a soccer field, but you, there's no grass. And they took, I guess it was like to be the palm branches. He sang and danced all over that field with those branches in his hand. And, and during a, a prayer time, I, I got Pastor Cornelius to help. I said, I said, I want you to pray for me. We'll, we'll talk about this maybe in the days ahead, but there's... I'm, listen to me now. I'm not, I'm not speaking against anybody here. You guys honor me well. Don't misunderstand me, okay? But honor is still a huge part of their culture in general, okay? And so it's only amplified when it, when it moves over into the body of Christ. And so I was the trifecta, okay? I was, I was a white-skinned-toned man, I was very tall, and I had the hoary head. I had the I had the, the gray hair. Okay, no, I'm I'm just I'm just telling you. I was. It it was almost unsettling, you know, the, the way people would respond to me. All right, you've heard me tell the story. I I arrived out in this very remote village as they were taking the liver out of the goat. For me. Okay. Again, you know, they milked goats. They didn't eat goats. It wasn't like, that. Well, what are we having tonight? I guess we'll kill another one of them goats. No, that was a rare thing. And the liver was considered to be the, the most prized part of that goat. 
and they evidently like it medium rare. And yes, I did. I ate it. I ate it. I ate it. Just like I like it. Amen. Amen. I wanted that. I wanted that man to pray for me. And I was like, "What in the world?" See, we we place such a premium on on things that God doesn't place a premium on. <laughs> We think, oh man, you know, this, this guy's so educated, he's so this, he's so that, you know. What does Father God look at? Somebody real quick, what does he look at? The heart. The heart. I saw into this man's heart. All right? Praise God. I was thinking about him the other day. I hope I, I, hope I get to see him on this side again before heaven, but if not, I know I'll see him there. That's why I still I tell stories, he said, to create readiness, to nudge people towards receptive insight in their present state. In other words, if nothing changes, they'll live their whole lives and die and never know what was as close to them as their outstretched hand. they live their whole lives and never know of all these treasures released from the vault of God during their lifetime, during our lifetime, during your lifetime, during my lifetime, and never experience or benefit from any of it. Now, let me try to draw a few things from this in the time that we have remaining. According to Jesus, so let's look at the simple things first. Some people have insight into God's kingdom and understand how it works, and others do not. We also see that insight into God's kingdom is a gift that is given based upon a qualifying attitude. And honor is at the heart of this qualifying attitude. Now, I've been telling you this for weeks. Remember John 6 and 68, 69, Lord, Jesus says, are you leaving me also? Jesus preaches a sermon. I know, let me just real quick run through it again. Jesus preached a sermon. People didn't understand it. They were offended by it. And what it really revealed was how shallow their longing to understand really was. Are you seeing this? They didn't understand it. And because they didn't understand it, Jesus had to be wrong and they had to be right. Because it didn't make sense to them, they all of a sudden knew more than he did. Because this man can't even put sentences together that people can understand. Are you, are you following this, right? You, you kind of see what happened here with, with, with the parable, right? You know what I'm saying? Jesus goes beyond the parable now. Everybody's, I'm, I'm out of here, Jack. This guy's nut. And so the disciples, Jesus later that afternoon, asked him, he says, are you leaving me too? And they say, hey, where, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But if you were to keep reading, these guys didn't understand the sermon either. Do you see the longing to understand? Do you see the depth of their longing to understand? Their diligence to understand everything that they heard. They didn't understand it, but they weren't going anywhere because they recognized that the key to unlock their understanding was sitting right in front of them and nowhere else to be found. The same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. 
and to you who hear, more will be given. Be diligent to understand the meaning behind everything you hear, for as you do, more understanding will be given to you. And according to the depth of your longing to understand, much more will be added to you. For those who listen with open hearts will receive more revelation, but those who don't listen with open hearts will lose what little they think they have. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. I feel some of you drifting away. Can you hang in here just a few more minutes? Yes? Can you? So let me at least introduce these two words, insight and intuition. In the course of our study, we've used more traditional words like revelation, comprehension, uh, understanding, and then we've even touched on, we'll get perhaps to it in greater detail in the future, this concept of rhema, the rhema word of God. We've used these words in reference to deeper levels of understanding. This morning I want to use two more words, and those words are insight. We see it here in the message translation. Insight into God's kingdom and intuition. Insight and intuition. Right? Now, let's break down what insight actually is. And it's a a fairly uh, interesting word. Right? So insight is an accurate and deep intuitive understanding. This is insight. One definition says it's penetrating mental vision or discernment. The ability to see underlying truth. A clear, deep, and sometimes sudden understanding of a complicated problem or situation. Clear, deep, sometimes sudden understanding of a complicated problem or situation. Have you ever said these words, all of a sudden it dawned on me? All of a sudden it dawned on me. Let me tell you what that all of a sudden it dawned on you was. It was you were given the gift of insight. You were given the gift of of insight. Insight is the ability to see in two things. In, I-N, sight, insight. It's the ability to see into things, to see beneath the surface, to see deeper into, to see more than what the eye alone can perceive. Now, if you notice in this definition of insight, we have this word intuitive an accurate and deep intuitive understanding. What is an intuitive understanding? Intuitive understanding is different from intellectual understanding. One comes through the consciousness by learning and rationalization and reasoning. That that would be our intellectual uh, 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 process. But intuition, so let's go to the definition of that. Are you still with me? Intuition is the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning. The ability to understand or know something without needing to think about it or use reason to discover it. The direct knowing or learning of something without the conscious use of reasoning. It is what some refer to as immediate understanding. Immediate understanding. Praise God, maybe we're biting off too much this morning. Can you chew a little longer with me? Intuition is an inward knowing. 
Intuition is a heart knowing instead of a head knowing. Now let me tell you what I've discerned over the years. Okay? Women are more geared towards nurturing. Men are more geared towards providing. The differences between a man and a woman are far more than physiological. Okay? I see husbands and wives looking straight ahead. That's good. You're doing good. Because men are hardwired to be providers and women are hardwired by God to be nurturers, that doesn't mean a man can't nurture. It doesn't mean that a woman can't provide. But I'm talking about, generally speaking, nurturing versus providing. And because we're hardwired that way, men tend to think more logically and rationally. Women tend to think more intuitively. What does that mean? Women tend to think more with their hearts. Men tend to think more with their heads. Am I right about this? So because of this, women tend to be more sensitive to intuition. But when we, when we use this word intuition, let, let's go back to it now. We've used Bible words like revelation and rhema and understanding and comprehension, okay? Now, we, now we're using intuition, and this, is, this kind of almost sounds like new age, and this kind of sounds, you know, like psychobabble or something. No, no, just it, whatever uh, preconceived idea you may have about the word, okay, we've all had those inward knowings. We've all had those something told me I shouldn't have gone there. Something told me. I remember years ago in a, in a, in a morning class, uh, Pastor Hiawatha Sheffield, he, he, uh, he was saying, uh, making some comments to the class, and, and, and in his, uh, what he was saying a couple of times, he said, you know, something just told me. And something just told me, and of course, Sister Katie, his wife, sitting there beside him, she says, uh, something has a name. It's very easy for us to dismiss intuition as, you know, as just this, you know, whole aspect and, and never understand that it is a channel created by God to communicate with you and to guide you. Intuition, it, 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 it doesn't involve reasoning, it doesn't involve this, this conscious uh, thought, it's an inward knowing in the heart. It's intuition. Now, sometimes with intuition, um, we some of the definitions for intuition use words like feeling. Some even refer to it as a power. And this might be, uh, again, one of those outliers that's worth mentioning here. Sometimes intuition is referred to or defined as an instinct. An instinct because it, it, it's like something that we know that we should do or, or what have you, but it's not necessarily something that we've learned. Am I boring you? Are you still with me? Right? It's, so, so some, in their efforts to try to explain it, they refer to an intuition as being instinctive. But as it relates to what Father God is wanting to do in our lives, He's wanting to give us this deeper insight into His kingdom, into how it works. And He's wanting us to know kingdom principles and kingdom ways and, and, and ways of God. He wants us to, to, to have those 
uh, not just in our brains, but where they literally come alive on the inside of us. Now, I think I would probably be amiss if I didn't mention this. Words like intuition and coincidence are often used to explain away divine communication or even divine intervention in our lives. But behind it, we find God. Amen? We find God. Now, Jesus understood the need for a ready and receptive heart. Amen? He, he understood that unless a human being, unless a man or a woman, has a ready and receptive heart, he can be right there in front of them speaking truth to them that's been kept a secret from the foundations of the world. He can be right there in front of them casting out demons, opening blinded eyes, raising the dead even. And if they do not have a ready heart, it'll hit them like a BB hitting the, bounce, uh, hitting the boxcar. I mean, it just bounce right off. Ding! Just, it'll never register with them. They'll never have any kind of, of, of deeper insight into what they're seeing or what they're hearing. They will see it, they will hear it, and their brain will understand it to the, to the degree that a brain can understand something, but they will never really see it, they will never really hear it, and they will never really understand it. They'll never have the insight They'll only see the surface. They'll never see beneath. And so he told stories. <laughs> Why is he telling stories? Because he's trying to engage and focus people's attention and, and reasoning onto kingdom truth. He's trying to stir up some curiosity. Come on, you can stand with me this morning. He's trying to stir up some curiosity. He's trying to encourage... Um, I think this is why Jesus said we got to be like children. You know, I watch, I watch my grandsons, you know. The, the, the world is their laboratory right now. I mean, everything is, is a mystery to them that they want to know, they want to understand. Anybody remember when your kids were, were that age and, and, and every question began with, a, every sentence began with why? It's the whole world, they're, they're figuring things out right now. And they're engaged in that. They, 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 they're finding great, um, you know, excitement in life. Jesus said we've got to become like those children, right? That, that mysteries need to intrigue us. Jesus told stories to create intrigue. He told stories to arouse curiosity. He presented people with things that they could relate to and understand in hopes that they would spend some time thinking about it and in the effort to diligently understand what Jesus said, it would create a crack in the door of receptivity that the Holy Spirit could, could ease through and begin to reveal to them deeper insights into His Father's kingdom. Are you seeing this? <clears throat> Oliver's growing. He's got had some leg cramps the other night up in the middle of the night, you know, hurting and pain. Of course, Jake and Bethany respond to him, pray with him. Now, out of the mouth of babes, three years old, he says, Bethany, if I butcher this, you can correct me later, okay, but I'm going to give you the gist of it. 
he said, Mama, sometimes it's hard to tell whether the good thought or the bad thought is right. She said, what, what, what do you mean? He said, well, the bad thought says my legs are hurting, but the good thought says Jesus healed my legs. And sometimes it's hard to tell which one of those is right. When Bethany told me that, I said, you know what? I know adults that hadn't got there yet. They just think all the thoughts are right. You don't recognize that some of those thoughts come from God and some of those thoughts come from the world and some of those thoughts come from the devil and some of those thoughts come from tradition and all these other things, right? What are, the, what are the thoughts that are right? The ones that come from God, right? Amen. Father, we come before you said in your word that if we needed wisdom, we could ask you for it, Father. And so, Lord, we ask you for wisdom, but, but Lord, we're going to use some different words this morning. We, we ask for insight, Lord, for comprehension, deeper understanding. Lord, that we would not be like those Isaiah spoke of, that see but don't see, that hear but never hear, that think they understand but don't understand, Father. We want to be those who see what our eyes can't see and hear what our ears can't hear and understand, Father, what is beyond our brain's ability to understand. Lord, we want that insight, that inward knowing to the point that it becomes intuition, it it becomes something that we understand that's beyond our ability to reason or rationalize, Father. Something that, that we know, Lord, that, that our brain is not even conscious of. Lord, sometimes we try to talk about these things, Lord, and, and, and it's, it's challenging to, to articulate, Lord. It's, it's challenging to try to, to put it into words. And yet, Father, I think that's the very thing that we're after, Lord, this this knowing that goes deeper than what can even be expressed in, in English words. Lord, it's just that we know that we know that we know because you've unlocked our understanding to comprehend it. In proportion to our longing, Lord, the depth of our longing will be given more Father, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice right now, whether they're listening or watching this live or, Lord, years from now. I pray, Father, for every person listening to me right now that you would unlock our understanding to comprehend the Scriptures, Lord, that you would give us insight. Lord, it's grace. Lord, with so many things we ask you for that, that certainly we need or want. But, Lord, this, this one piece, Father, is so critical. Help us see more clearly this morning, Lord, things that, that we could not see as clearly when we got here. Help us see them more clearly as we're dismissed. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Your love, thank you so much for being here this morning. Good things coming for you and for yours. Again, be thinking about us this week at camp. It's going to be a great week away with our young people.